the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. Kate Winslet micro expressions, 1800s teen angst. She is one of the most humble people. I love the character growth. She's award winning, well known. Yeah, I love this. She's 100% this character. She has this gumption off the charts. She is amazing. Oh, so classic. Bold, valiant, daring. So much grit, a lot of tears, a lot of boobs. A life lesson, you know? A life lesson from Kate Winslet. Yes. Hello, and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Anne. And I'm Allie. We love Kate Winslet, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your own thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod, and as always, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Revolutionary Road, which was released in 2008. Kate Winslet plays a character named April Wheeler, and in this movie, she reunites with Leonardo DiCaprio for a story about a young couple in the 1950s. It's available for free on HBO Max or Fubo TV. And I highly recommend you watch this one. Agreed. I think this is a must-watch, I would say, if you're a Kate fan or a Leo fan. Right. Yeah. So if you haven't watched it, now is your time to pause and go watch, because from here on out, there will be spoilers. And jumping into the plot, we rated this really highly. We gave it a 9 out of 10 on the plot score. As I mentioned, it's set in the 1950s. We meet Frank and April, played by Leo and Kate. They meet at a party after seeing each other from across the room, and there is an instant connection, instant attraction between them. And just as the watcher, you're having this emotional reaction to them reconnecting (laughs) on screen. Yes. It's been, what, like 12 years, something like that, 13 years since Titanic. Ugh. Ugh. So good. And also just like knowing that they're such good friends, I'm like, it's so fun to see them on screen together. Right. They just like... They get along and have a relationship in real life. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we cut to the future where Frank and April are married, and Frank is watching her perform on stage in a play. But the vibes are kind of odd. Some comments from other audience members tell us that the show wasn't really that great. April hides that she's crying after the show, and Frank is like, well, it wasn't a triumph or anything. And I'm like, yikes, not the right thing to say. (laughs) No. So April asks Frank to tell their friends they can no longer go out after the show is planned, and tensions in general are just pretty high. But as a side note, Catherine Hahn is also one of the actors in the play. So we're like, ooh, are we also getting a Catherine Hahn treat in this movie? Right? (laughs) On the drive home, Frank continues to put down the play, but he does praise her. He's basically like saying that everyone else is terrible and she's good. Mm -hmm. And they remark about how bad it is that they have to live here. But April does not want to talk about it. It's just overall so uncomfortable. He's trying to be helpful, but he's just digging a hole. Right. And you just want to be like, shh. Just stop it. Stop talking. (laughs) Stop talking. Yeah, exactly. So Frank pulls over at first trying to be nice, saying they should talk about it. But then he ends up yelling at her about how it's not his fault that the play was lousy and that she never became a real actress. Leo, ouch. Yeah. So they argue big time, both clearly feeling trapped in their life. It escalates, and Frank even reels back as if to hit her, but he stops himself and punches the car instead. Things are obviously tense between them. That tension continues through the next morning. And this whole argument is happening just, like, on the shoulder of the road. So do you ever see people arguing in public, not violently, but arguing, and are just like, this is so awkward, but I must Listen, I must know what you are arguing about. I feel like I've definitely had this situation, but I can't think of one specific incident. What about you? I feel like I've listened to people like 
breaking up at restaurants. <gasps> no way. That's so juicy. There's definitely, like, people, like, who are too far away if they are, like, arguing on the side of the road or something, but... Ooh, but you can, like, tell. I feel like more people argue in public than I would think. I don't know. Not my venue of choice for disagreement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We did see someone not long ago. We were like driving somewhere downtown and there was a couple just like arguing as they were walking down the streets of Chicago. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, man. So we flash back to when Frank and April were moving to their current house on Revolutionary Road. And it's a little suburban blue collar area that their realtor, Helen, played by Kathy Bates, again, love this appearance. And she assures them that this area is up and coming, but it seems like maybe that didn't really come to fruition. Yeah. Neither of us work in real estate, but would you ever want to work in real estate? Would you ever have interest in that? Yeah, I actually think it could be interesting and very lucrative. It can be, yeah. If you if you are good. Yeah. I don't know about, you know, if you're a realtor or if you just own a lot of real estate. Like, I feel like being in the real estate game could be very lucrative. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I feel like the millennial joke is like, sorry, I didn't buy a house when I was 10 years old because right. everything's <laughs> doubled <laughs> I think I would yeah. love being a realtor only because I just love going into other people's houses. I love Yeah, you would love doing the showings. <laughs> yes. I love yeah. seeing them. I love seeing them. I could see that. Not our realtor, but the realtor who sold our house. So we like ultimately bought it via her. Yeah. Who like we had no relationship with. Like she must be a great realtor because like I see her advertise everywhere. She has sent us a Starbucks gift card. What? She's like, I sold the house once. I can sell it again. Ah. So I'm like, well, I guess we know who will sell through eventually. Right, right. That's funny. (laughs) Frank goes to a bar with his secretary for drinks. Please note, by the way, it's lunch. Mm -hmm. And he makes a call to get her out of work. We learn it's his 30th birthday. And they're both kind of feeling the alcohol, especially the secretary. Frank is lamenting about his life to her and then suggests that they get some air and they end up hooking up. Ugh, Frank. Come on. Meanwhile at home, Helen drops off a plant for April and then tells her how her son John is in a psych ward. She wants to get him out for an afternoon, thinking it would do him a lot of good to meet a nice younger couple like her and Frank. So April agrees, and she seems genuine about it, which surprises Helen. Remember, Helen's the realtor that they kind of developed this friendship with. Mm -hmm. And before she leaves, Helen mentions her first impression of April, which seems to make her think and look back on old photos. Frank gets home to April, who's gotten all dressed up and apologizes, and her demeanor has completely changed since their last conversation. She and their two kids are waiting in the kitchen with decorations and a cake and singing him happy birthday. And Frank is emotional, probably flooded with guilt about what he just did. Like, come on. Right? Oh. What is your favorite birthday cake? Hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of cake, so I would probably choose more like something denser, like a Mm. brownie or a flourless chocolate cake or something like that if I were, you know, choosing. Yes. What about you? Um, I'm a classic yellow cake with chocolate frosting gal. Mm. Love that. Love. Also, as I've gotten older, I think I've really embraced the um, fruit pizza. Oh, love a fruit pizza. Like the sugar cookie with the yes, you know, cream yes. cheese and the fruit. It's quite good. It's so good. Kayla and I did that on one of our first dates. That was like one of our activities. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. I love that. So that night, April presents an idea to Frank. She wants to move to Paris. 
He always dreamed of going back because he served there in the war. And she seemed to think this through. Like she has an idea of what to do with the financials. She says that she'll get a high paying government secretarial position and that he'll have the time and freedom to truly figure out what he wants to do with his career and his life because we get the sense that he kind of feels trapped in his job. Mm-hmm. And Frank's first reaction is that this is not a very realistic idea, but she quips back that it's not realistic for them to continue living so miserably. Yeah. Would you ever want to live overseas? Yeah, I think that would be so cool. Realistically, I wouldn't want to be like far away from our family, but I think it would be really cool, especially if it was like a short-term thing. Mm-hmm. What about you? I would definitely go for that, yes. Yeah. And throwback too, when we were an undergrad, And I was like 90% of the way into joining the Peace Corps and like had a position, but like they kept delaying it. And then I like, my first niece was being born and (sighs) oh my gosh, I just struggled so much with whether I should move or not and go do it. And like you stayed up with me so many nights, just like (laughs) sitting on our kitchen counter with a pro con list. (laughs) Yes. Oh man. I forgot about that. It's so crazy to look back on. I know. Can you imagine if you'd gone? Oh, it would have been so different. So different. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. That's like one of those like life-defining, you're at a fork in the road kind of choices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Crazy. Selfishly, I'm glad with the way it went. (laughs) No complaints? (laughs) No complaints. And we got to be roommates in Chicago. So true. Oh, that was the best. Yes. So Freight continues to push back, but April starts to wear him down insisting that this box that they've put themselves in with societal expectations is stifling. So Frank goes to work with a renewed energy and starts to tell people that he's moving to Paris. And they kind of think he's kidding. At lunch, he seems to pitch the idea to move as his own. Mm. And his colleagues ask why he can't just find himself here. April goes ahead and gets their steamer tickets and traveler's checks like she's ready to go. And we're like, oh, Kate and Leo crossing the Atlantic again. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) This movie could take a turn. It could. Titanic 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> oh, so good. Someone needs to create that. <laughs> That's a callback to our Sandra Bullock season for Speed yes. 2 Cruise Control, if you have not seen it. Oh. <laughs> if you have not seen it, don't watch it, but go listen to our episode. Yes, yes. So their family seems so happy and idyllic that day. Kids are playing in the sprinkler. Frank's like drops his briefcase to greet his wife when he gets home and she runs to him. It's like very different than we've seen the past few days. Mm. April's friends from the play, played by Katherine Hahn and DK Harbor, their names are Millie and Shep. They seem to also be in a bit of a rut. They live right behind the wheelers who come over for dinner. And everyone is wearing brown except for April, who's in this like robin's egg blue dress, just looks amazing. And Shep seems kind of taken by her. And Shep and Millie are shocked when they tell them that they're moving to Paris. Millie seems upset that they decided a week ago and are just now telling her. Like, this would be us if one of us decided to move overseas and waited a whole week to tell the other. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'd be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Millie comes around eventually, though, and toasts them. But Shep seems a little bit more upset than he should be. That night, he tells his wife he thinks it's immature, and Millie immediately agrees with him. They gossip about how lazy it is of Frank to not get a job in Paris because their plan right now is for April to get the job. Yeah. At the Wheeler's house, they're gossiping about Shep and Millie, though their conversation is a little bit more lively. Frank seems to kind of romanticize his time in the army, saying it's the first time he felt like he knew truth. 
And April says she felt that way the first time they made love and they continue their love story right there on the counter. <laughs> what an eloquent way to say that. <laughs> oh, anyway, they're, they're connecting more romantically now is the point. Yes. At work, Frank gets pulled into his boss's office and he had kind of sent off a brash memo within the company the other day, not caring anymore, and ends up getting commended for his work. So he tells April about it at home, and she's like, I wish I could have seen his face when you told him you were leaving. And Frank just says, yeah. <gasps> and then we're like, uh, did you not tell him? Hmm. 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 So Helen, her husband, and their son, John, played by Michael Shannon, come over. John kind of gives Frank the third degree, asking him questions, criticizing him, while Helen tries to distract everyone. John thinks it's hilarious that they're moving to Paris. April and Frank go on a walk with John, and he tells them electroshock therapy has made him lose his intelligence. He has a PhD in mathematics. And remember, this is Helen's son who is in a psych ward. Mm -hmm. Afterward, April and Frank talk more about how they don't fit society's mold and that John seemed to be the first person they've told about their move who might also get it. Frank is taken to a work lunch by a senior exec who wants to recruit him to a new special sales team. Frank brings up his dad, who also worked for this company, but the man doesn't seem to remember him, which seems to give Frank the courage to say he's leaving the firm in the fall. Like, maybe he won't be remembered within this company after all, so why put more time in? Like, right. it kind of reaffirms his choice. Yeah. The exec tells him that you only get a couple chances in life and asks him to sleep on this job opportunity and talk to April about it. And he kind of has the audacity to guilt trip him by saying taking the job would be a memorial to his dad, even though he doesn't remember his dad. Right. I'm like, you can't say who's that and then in the same breath say, it would mean a lot to your dad who I don't remember. Like, get out. <laughs> right. Don't speak for him. <laughs> no. So Frank works late that night, seeming kind of lost. And Maureen comes in and says she heard he's getting promoted and his dad would have been proud. She's very forward, offering to take him for a drink, and stupid Frank agrees, although thankfully this time nothing happens that we see anyway. Right. We see the house is now officially for sale, and April sorting through their stuff, deciding, you know, what to pack up. And she's a bit short with their daughter, and Frank asks her what's up. Turns out she's 10 weeks pregnant, just confirmed today. And she's really upset that this might hamper their Paris plans and suggests an abortion. Frank doesn't immediately agree or disagree. He just kind of looks at the calendar and comforts her. They end up going to the beach with Shep and Millie, and April hears Frank tell Shep about what's going on at work with his lack of trying ending up with the job offer. April thought he had turned down the job, but he hasn't, and now he says it's an option for them to stay instead of going to Paris. She doesn't get how a job with more money at the same company is more fulfilling, but he avoids the subject. So they're starting to, you know, not see eye to eye anymore. Right. They argue that evening. She says he's too scared of failing to try and that it takes backbone to live the life you want. Frank finds something in the bathroom that indicates that April is going to try to self-induce a miscarriage. He's reasonably upset that she hasn't talked to him about this, and he wants a say in, you know, what they are going to do with this baby. Mm -hmm. She says she feels trapped in this life because they moved to the suburbs because she was pregnant and had a second baby to prove that the first wasn't a mistake. And she either wants to have the baby in Paris or not have it at all. He won't directly answer her when she asks if he even wants another child, but says he's upset at the thought of what she's suggesting. She says, I already had two children. Doesn't that count in my favor? And now he's kind of doubting if she even loves their kids or tried to miscarry them and criticizes her obsession with 
this fantasy Paris life over their family. Mm-hmm. And he seems worried that she's suffering from a mental health issue, saying that most people would not so easily want to give up a baby for this fantasy life. He suggests she needs to see a psychologist, and the Paris trip is officially dead in the water. That note was written specifically for Titanic. You're welcome. <laughs> Love. Frank insists that he can make her happy here and that their past few months of happiness don't need to end if they stay. And I don't know. I feel like we were kind of going back and forth on Frank. Obviously, he had an affair, so we don't like that. But we kind of see him coming around in this moment, and he sees potential for their marriage. And, I, you know, our notes are like, we kind of believe him now. Is it just because it's Leo and we're convinced <laughs> and he's charismatic? Or is he actually, you know, willing to put in the effort for their marriage? Yeah, it's hard to say if he's just found... Maybe not found himself, but found new inspiration now that he's being recognized at work and, like, that's what he needed. But it is still, I guess, unfortunate that both of them were unhappy and they had a solution for both of them. But now he's found a solution for himself that doesn't really solve for her unhappiness and he's just kind of, like, not addressing that. Yeah, yeah. So Frank ends up accepting the new sales job. His coworkers are happy he's staying and they comment on the Paris plan having been unrealistic anyway. And one mentions that there will be celebrating in the secretarial pool. And Frank seems a little caught off guard that others know about Maureen. And I'm like, what did you think? People always know. Yeah, you weren't, <laughs> you were not discreet, sir. Okay. No. <laughs> Millie and Shep are also happy that they're staying and they go out for drinks. Frank notices that April is sad and asks her to dance, but she says maybe later. So he dances with Millie instead. He swings her around too much and she has to puke. <laughs> From dancing. I love it. <laughs> right. Also, they're there for a night out. It's the 50s. April's smoking, even though she's pregnant. And I'm like, when did it become widely known not to smoke during pregnancy? I don't know. Too late. I was just like, oh, it gave me so much anxiety. Yeah, I'm not sure. Much too late, I'm sure. I'm sure. We actually looked this up the other night because we've been watching For All Mankind on mm-hmm. Apple TV. And when the show starts, it starts in like the 19, late 1960s. And at one point, a guy is like drinking a beer and driving and I'm like, oh my gosh, like when did this, I don't know. I said something and Scott's like, well, it wasn't illegal. And I was like, what are you talking about? We looked it up. It was not illegal in all 50 states to drink and drive until like 1985 or 1988, like very late, very late. Really? Yes. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's so wild. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. You'd think, I mean, it's not like they didn't know the effects of alcohol. Correct. Wow. Uh-huh. That's yeah. wild. And especially because then, like, a seatbelt was just, like, a piece of yarn across your lap, you know? <laughs> right, so, right. Like, doing a whole lot. You may or may not wear. Right, right. Oh, man. Glad that's changed. Yeah. As they go to leave this party, one of the cars is blocked in. So April suggests that Frank take Millie home so that they can both relieve their babysitters, and then Shep can drive her home when his car is unblocked. So they go back inside. She and Shep have a heart-to-heart about why April wanted to leave, and she wonders why her life doesn't feel like enough to her when it is for Frank. And we just need to comment for a second because this is David Harbour, D.K. Harbour, who plays Hopper in Stranger Things. And, I mean, in this movie, like, he just looks like a middle-aged, like, suburban dad. Normal guy, yeah. But, like, in the last season or so of Stranger Things, like, David Harbour went under a serious glow-up, right? Oh, 100%. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, the last season, you're like, Hopper. Yeah, Hopper got ripped in Russian prison or wherever he was. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Serious blow up. I feel like when that came out, everyone was like, is David Harbour hot? <laughs> What's happening? He was the new, uh, like, zaddy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this uh, 2023, what it moved to, um, uh, shoot, the guy from The Last of Us. Yes, which I don't watch, but I remember that. Pedro Pascal. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny. Who will it be in 2024? <laughs> Make your predictions now. Yeah. April says that she and Frank were never special, but Shep says they are because they're the wheelers. April's distraught, though, and she says she can't leave, she can't stay, and she's no use to anyone. She's clearly, you know, feeling very stuck. She downs a martini, and again, I'm like, at this point, you're pregnant. And mm-hmm. then she asks Shep to dance. Mm. Do you like martinis? Um, I like flavored martinis, like a, in the Cosmo mm. realm of things. Straight martini, I cannot. Mm-mm. Yeah, me neither. I like I like flavored ones too, like a good espresso martini or something. Oh, espresso martini, yes, so good. I'm in. Yeah. So April and Chef swing dance, kind of let loose. The music fades from the band music to something that is a little too sentimental for these two neighbors to be dancing together. Mm-hmm. And you kind of wonder if something's going to happen. I know we all had a well, we all was an assumption of Midwest upbringing had uh, square dancing classes in <laughs> elementary school. Did you ever learn any swing dancing? No, but I would have loved to. What about you? I think I took a couple swing dancing classes, like for kids, for like musical theater. Oh, it was fun. How fun! Yeah, it was cute. I think that'd be so fun. Those videos always pop up on like my Instagram or Facebook of I think it's like West Coast Swing where they do a lot of improv and stuff so they'll just like pair people up and put a song on and like they're just improving swing dancing and I'm like I can't imagine learning a routine with that let alone improving it's yeah insane. it's wild back to the movie we cut to Shep and April macking in the car go all the way in the car I'm just like these people just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. left and right and afterwards Shep says he loves her and this is what he's always wanted ah! it's very cringy it's so she cringy. tells him to be quiet also, this is just like in the parking lot of the bar. What are you doing? What what are you doing? <laughs> so then we cut to what we think is the next morning. Maybe it's been a week. Not sure. But Frank reminds her that she's now at 12 weeks pregnant. He admits that his own behavior has been weird lately. And he tells her that he's, quote, been with a girl a few times in the city, but it's over. She says she doesn't feel anything, which upsets him more than any other response that she could give. Like, he wants her to care. Mm -hmm. And she says she'd feel something if she loved him, but she doesn't think she does anymore. And she says this so callously. You can just, I I feel like a switch has flipped at this point where she's just not herself anymore. Right. And it it hurts to watch. It does. Because Frank is very flawed, which we'll talk about, I feel like, at the end of the movie. Like, Frank is flawed, but, like, I think he cares for her. Yeah. But she, at this point, just has, like, a total wall up. Yeah. Helen's family shows up for another dinner as they're arguing, and Frank announces that April is having a baby. Helen's son, John, accurately figures out that Frank is the one who canceled the Paris plans, and this leads to this, like, huge fight. Mm -hmm. Frank and April argue after they leave, and at one point, she starts laughing, like, cracking up (gasps) maniacally while they're fighting, and she truly does seem like she's kind of gone off the deep end here. Yeah. And she now says that she hates him, loathes him, and she's smiling while she says it. And he just looks distraught and kind of scared. Yeah, he's like, I thought we were just fighting. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) 
She threatens to scream if he comes closer, and he touches her shoulder, and she does scream. And the scream that she lets out is, like, terrifying. Like, it's, it is a crazy scream. Yeah, yeah. Frank then escalates, threatening her and saying now that he wishes she'd gotten rid of the baby when she had the chance. So things are just escalating here. It is not good. But this scene is so mesmerizing. Like, it has heightened to almost unlike anything I think we've seen before from Kate. Yes, and they're just feeding off of each other, and you're just mesmerized by this. Both of them are so good in this scene. My whole body's clenched. Yes, it's so uncomfortable. You, like, you want them to stop. You know, you're just like, no, no, stop saying that. Don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's crazy. Yes. And we're also like, where are the kids during this? <laughs> they're just not, <laughs> right. not there. Right. This is a very <laughs> intense fight. <laughs> I love how shows and movies, like, always have kid characters and they're just like conveniently there when you want them there. And then like when they're not, we're like, who's watching the kids? Where are the kids? You just have to make an assumption that like someone else is taking care of them. They're like, oh, they're in the green room. It's fine. You're having some goldfish. (laughs) Frank hears their door slam shut and chases after April, who has run into the woods across the street. He apologizes, but she says she needs to be alone and think. Frank goes home and drinks and he sees April come back into their backyard and smoke by a tree around dusk. The next morning, Frank comes downstairs for work, and April is in the kitchen in total housewife mode, calmly asking how he'd like his eggs, like making him breakfast. Frank is very caught off guard by this. Like, there's right. no reason for her to have switched her behavior again. Right. And I, I was like, I might be looking to see if she's about to poison me if this is, if I'm right? Frank. Like, yeah. I don't know if yeah, I trust totally. this food right now. Yeah. It's scary it's just like a total 180 very unsettling she is not well right so they calmly talk over breakfast she knows that he has a big meeting today related to his new job and asks what he'll be doing he's surprised that he hasn't really told her anything about it so he draws this diagram of this ginormous computer which essentially does addition and she tells him that he should value what he does But she seems really withdrawn throughout this conversation, just completely without her spark, sort of just going through the motions of what seems like a good housewife, quote unquote, should say in this moment. Like, it doesn't seem like she's just okay. Right. Like, she's putting on a front. Right. She comes across like kind of robotic, playing a role. Mm -hmm. Before he leaves, he tells her that breakfast was really nice and he enjoyed it. And she says, ditto, again, unnervingly calm. He asks if she hates him and she says, of course not. He leaves for work, and she sobs as she does the dishes. This whole sequence was so well done. We just had, like, in the previous scene, right, this, like, explosive fight where they are both so past the point, like, almost past the point of no return, right? Right. And then this whole scene is so hushed and emotional, and it's tense because there's no tension following the night before. Like, they don't address it at all. Neither of them say anything. She's acting so disturbing and he's just like what do I do with this right right he's so caught off guard yeah April calls Millie and asks if she can watch her kids that evening and just have them play outdoors because she doesn't feel well and it seems like maybe she's asked Millie to do this a few days in a row she asks her to give them each a kiss for her and she tries not to cry and we're like oh no what are you doing this feels kind of final what are you gonna do yeah I'm also glad, though, that she made sure the kids were out of the house because my first thought was, like, is she going to do something to the kids? Right. Yeah, yeah. But April sadly follows through with inducing a miscarriage at home. She seems completely dissociated as she, you know, just bleeds all over the carpet, and we hear her make a quiet phone call for help. In the hospital waiting room, Shep comes to see Frank, who is distraught, 
Turns out April's had a lot of blood loss. She's in surgery. Frank tells Shep that April did this to herself, and Shep goes to get Frank coffee. He has a mild emotional breakdown while getting it, and then comes back to the waiting room to see Frank come out of the double doors even more distraught. It's this scene where kind of the the sound goes out, and you see him walking out of the double doors, and you know Mm -hmm. he just received really bad news. Yeah. And he runs all the way home. We flash forward a bit. Millie and Shep are talking to the new neighbors. They say Frank lives downtown, now working for the computer company, and is a doting father to his children. Shep emotionally leaves the room. He tells Millie he doesn't want to talk about the Wheelers anymore. Downtown, Frank sits on a park bench watching his kids, though he just seems so sad. Mm -hmm. And the movie ends with Helen telling her husband that these new owners of the Revolutionary Roadhouse are the only suitable people she's ever had for it. He says, except for the wheelers, and she's like, well, I don't know. They were whimsical, too neurotic. And he turns off his hearing aid as she talks, and that's the end of the movie. (laughs) It's an odd ending to the movie. I find it odd that they ended on Helen and her husband. Agreed. But overall, it's just such an emotional movie. It's sad. It leaves you just feeling like, ugh. You know? Yeah. I mean, this this movie is has it all. Surprisingly, it's maybe a little low on Rotten Tomatoes, 67% for critics and a 71% audience score. But Roger Ebert, who we bring up occasionally, mm-hmm. gave a maximum rating of four of four stars, commending the acting and screenplay and calling the film, quote, so good it is devastating. And I feel like that's an excellent way oh. to just summarize this movie. Yes, absolutely. They bring you on this emotional roller coaster. You're up, you're down, you're mad, you're sad. You're like, you find yourself rooting for different characters at different times and you just have all the feels. And I think so good, it's devastating is the perfect way to put it. Because the end, like there's not really a resolution. Like it's just a very sad ending. Like she dies unhappy. They never resolved their marital problems. Right. They never got on the same page. It's like tragic. Yeah, and kind of interesting. So Kate saw the script. She was immediately impressed, and she sent it to a producer who suggested that her then-husband, Sam Mendes, would be a good fit for director. And then she persuaded Leo to take the part of Frank. So what a weird, maybe not weird, but like what an intimate dynamic, I guess, between director and the two primary characters of the movie. Totally. And I think it's so cool that Kate was able to like have that much pull. Yeah. Like she wanted to be a part of it, and then she had a vision for how to make this movie come to life. And I Mm -hmm. think that's so cool that she is like... We've heard a few other instances of her kind of taking her career into her own hands or taking a movie into her own hands and, like, making it what she wants it to be. And I'm like, yes, you go, girl. Yeah. I will say it's a little hard for me to watch Leo in a movie in the 1950s named Frank because I just immediately think, Mm. catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's Leo, Frank. Right. So I always have to think twice when I think of this movie. Yeah. Again, so fun to watch them together, even in a movie like this where they are not on the same page for most of the movie. They're fighting and, you know, they're not just a happy couple. But Kate actually described her working relationship with Leo as challenging and physically comfortable. But she also felt pressure working with him and working with her husband. Obviously, I think that makes sense because after having Titanic be such a huge success, I'm sure there was a ton of pressure on them to, like, make sure that they had a good showing for their second movie together. Right. And Leo also said he found the filming process physically and emotionally exhausting, so much so that he actually postponed his next film for two months after this. So it really took a toll on them. Yeah, and I don't know that Kate or Leo were nominated for anything for this, but Michael Shannon, who played John, was nominated for a bunch of awards for this movie. Yeah, that's interesting. Should I look that up real quick? Yeah, maybe let's fact check that. Yeah. 
Look at us fact-checking mid, mid-recording. <laughs> Kate was nominated for a BAFTA award for this. And she won Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama at the Golden Globes for this. Leo was nominated. Oh, okay. Sam Mendes was nominated as the Best Director for Golden Globes. So they did get some nominations for this and some recognition. That's good. But yeah, I can't believe it didn't, like, their their fight scene alone, like, those, and then the next morning, those two scenes alone, I feel like, are worthy of an award. It was so good. Oh, yeah. So good. And I think this movie in general is an interesting commentary on mental health, especially in this era. Like, you have John, who is obviously a more extreme example, but he was in a psych ward. He was called insane, and, you know, he belonged in an asylum, that his behavior was unacceptable, when really the way that he's presented, you think maybe he has autism based on being a mass savant, but having some emotional and social inhibitions. And to those around them, like that was where you had to be to need mental health help, even though we know today there's so much value in getting help for all types of mental health and there shouldn't be this stigma to it. Yeah. And we kind of went back and forth on this when we were doing our notes because at one point Frank offers to April like that he thinks she needs to see a psychologist. And I think we went back and forth on whether he meant it in a condescending way or whether it came across condescending or what is he just calling her crazy, you know, or was he actually suggesting that she needed help? What do you think? I mean, he does outright call her crazy during that yes. fight. So I think that's where we were like, what's going on? But obviously he was very alarmed during that altercation. Right. So I think part of it maybe was like him being like, well, something is really wrong. And he did think she needed help, but he was having a very emotional reaction during it too. And or he was fed up. I mean, they'd been going on for so long with this stuff and he just like maybe had his own moment of snapping. But I think it's interesting that they still didn't get her help. Like the next morning he's like, do you hate me? And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, bye. Right. And it was so clear that she was like devoid of emotion, like totally detached. As she was presenting as having, yeah, very detached emotionally. Like, I feel like if that happened, I would be so concerned. I'd be like, well, I can't go to work today. Right. We need to figure this out. Like, I right. need to make sure you're okay. Yeah. It's this other element, I think, of the movie about a mental health commentary that I think we were supposed to be thinking of because they do have this other character. Yeah. And I mean, even she at one point, when she's talking to Shep at the bar, she's like, Frank somehow has decided to be fulfilled by where we are in life. Why can't I do that? Right. So clearly, like, she's struggling with it. But I also wonder if, like, Frank is, like I said earlier, because he finds peace with it and finds a new way to be hopeful and happy. Like, he just kind of discounts everything that she's going through as a result. Yeah. Because he's like, well, if I could do it, like, pull yourself together. Right. You know, like we're in the same situation, but they're not. Right. Exactly. Because they're different people. And I think that's exactly the kind of commentary they were trying to make is like Mm -hmm. when some people say, well, buck up or whatever versus, you know, actually needing help. Yeah. It's different. It's very sad. Yeah. Very sad. But yeah, it's just one of those movies that just gets you in your feels. Totally does. Anything you disliked about it? I think the only thing I disliked is what you already said. Like, I think it's so strange that they end with Helen. I don't know why they didn't just end it with Frank on the park bench. Like, that was the perfect ending. It was so weird. And, like, they had her husband take out his hearing aid as she's talking. Like, they're trying to make a little funny moment. And I was like, why did this end with them? Like, that makes no sense. Maybe to just, like, then show, like, it's a cycle. You know, life goes on. I guess, yeah. It was this moment in time of this family in this house. And, like, 
you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was strange. I do think it would have been better if it ended with Frank on the park bench. Yeah, I agree. But overall, I mean, clearly we really liked this movie. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. That's our only complaint. (laughs) And it's sad. Like, you wish they could have come to a resolution. But that's part of what makes it so, I think, compelling. Right. So for Kate's character of April, we gave her an 8 out of 10. I mean, this is so hard. She's, She's struggling a lot. But we see, I think, at her core... She is this kind person. She's trying to really find purpose and reignite, you know, spark and adventure and passion into her family and her husband. You know, she, you know, kind of surprises Helen with her friendship by, you know, agreeing to kind of take on John as a, Mm -hmm. as a friend. And I liked her overall. Yeah. I think she was such a complex character. This is one of the most hefty notes that we have about a character. I think in her whole season and I just think she's so complex. They did a really good job of making you feel for her, but also being very frustrated by her. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I think you're just heartbroken for her, for Frank, for their relationship. Like I think the whole thing is they draw you in and they, it's unlike other characters where you sometimes you don't care about what happens to them. Like this is the opposite. You are very invested. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they set her up to be likable. Yeah, I I agree. I think she's incredibly layered. I feel sad that she feels so trapped in this life and that Mm -hmm. when she sees a path to getting them what they both want and it falls through her fingers, she just snaps because she's like, this is it. Like she was very black and white in that, like this is a now or never mentality. And it seemed to her like when Paris fell through, her life ended. Right. Like there was no other option. Yeah. But I feel like her feeling completely trapped is a valid feeling. It is really hard for me to put myself in the shoes of a woman in this era. The lack of Mm -hmm. opportunities, education, work. I imagine it was really isolating for women who wanted to live more adventurously and were told no, essentially. Like she's... Right. She has these big artistic ambitions, and she's really trying to fulfill that. And I think she just feels like she's been packed into this suburban box, and she just can't see beyond that anymore. Yeah, and I I think at first we thought maybe she's just kind of flighty and kind of regretted settling down. But as the movie went on, it became clear that, no, she's really struggling with her mental health. Like, she does have ambitions beyond what her life has become, and... It's just really sad that, like you said, she kind of got to this point where she couldn't see any other way forward. And when she induced the miscarriage, it seems like she was resigned to the fact that she would die that day. Like, I think she understood the risk that she was taking. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was known to be a very dangerous thing to try to do that at home yourself then. It seems like she was aware of that. And it's just like, ah, I just wonder, was it her intent also or was... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, if her intent was to die that day. Yeah. And when she says earlier in the movie to Shep, it's enough for him, it should be enough for me, but I can't leave and I can't stay. Yeah. I feel like she's starting to kind of come to that point, that decision Mm -hmm. in her mind of, like, she can't go on, she can't go on living like this. And so, and I don't know that Frank saw the severity of that. Yeah. Like, to him, Paris was just this, like, fantasy, essentially. Yes. And she needed it. 
Right. And whether it was actually Paris or she actually needed something else, which is probably the truth. Right. I'm sure if they had just gone to Paris, it wouldn't have just healed no. her. Yeah. But. but I think the disconnect is so sad to see in hindsight because I think that Frank did love her and he would have actually done what she needed if he had known the severity of it. But he didn't. I think so too. He was like so out of, in over his head with how to manage the situation. Yeah, exactly. I think that's part of what made it so devastating is like, like I said, as we were going through the plot notes, Frank obviously had some flaws. So did April. Both flawed characters, a flawed couple. But I think what makes it so devastating is like by the end of the movie, I do think that Frank really did love her and just did not understand the mental health aspect. I feel like you can see that when he comes through those hospital doors after she dies. You can see the pain, the realization, the regret. It's just like totally devastating. Yeah. And even at the end, when he's on that park bench, which is why I wish they had ended it there, he has this look of melancholy of like, how did I end up here without her? Like, he's engaged with his children. He loves them. He's just like, how did it come to this? Right. Like, he had no idea the severity of what she was going through. He just thought she was like, oh, I just want something new. My bored housewife. Versus going through something so traumatic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. And then... I think she loved him too, but she was just so dissociated by the end of the movie with her own mental health mm-hmm. that I think she had to continue to disassociate from him and from herself in order to kind of go through with what she had decided to do. Yeah. And like you said, she does seem to know that she could die that day. And we're kind of like, did she do it in a way, in the way that she did as a final punishment? to Frank as a punishment to herself? Was it because he had told her he wished she had done it after all, even if he didn't mean it? Yeah. Where she was just so far gone at that point where she was like, I don't know. I wish I knew. Yeah, I know. I know. Ah. But overall, this character is just so interesting. And I think it's, we had to rate it a little bit differently because of the type of character it was. And I think just the complexity of it makes it such a good character that we Mm -hmm. had to give it this high of a rating. Agreed. Agreed. Totally deserving. And for Kate's acting in this, the high scores continue. We gave her a 9.5 out of 10. We mentioned she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress. And I just think her and Leo together, I love to see it. They have this chemistry. They really do seem like a married couple throughout this. Like, it is very convincing. Yeah, they have this perfect way that they can kind of volley quips and short lines between each other when they're arguing. Or even just having a conversation. It's just like very Mm -hmm. natural delivery of how you would actually have a conversation. Yes. Sometimes when I, like if I think of a show that does this really well, like Parenthood, which I think you've watched, is a show that I think captures the like natural course of dialogue so well. Yes. And I think they do a, a really good job of that in this movie. Yes. It felt like realistic. And I mean, there's a couple of moments that stand out to me. In their arguments, there's this one argument by the car at the beginning, which immediately takes a bunch of acting chops, I think. But her eyes just get wider as he's talking. Mm-hmm. And it's so subtle. But I just think it, again, it's just like these this nuanced way of acting and reacting that make it so believable. And they put you right there with them and feeling every emotion that they're feeling. Yeah. I have to say, now that I'm thinking back on this, I feel like Kate was calling on her acting in Hamlet a little bit in this movie when she played Ophelia. If we are calling back to when she played Ophelia in Hamlet, she has, I mean, her character in Hamlet goes 
crazy, for lack of a better term, where she is yeah. screaming, laughing, sobbing. So true. And I feel like she brought some elements of that into this movie because their fights are so good. She's so distraught. Yes. You know, I think we made a note, like, by far this is her best argument acting. She's so on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I do see some parallels to her earlier career with her Ophelia character. You're so right. And we just get all ends of the spectrum here. Like, huge yelling scenes, very dramatic. The robotic sort of, like, disassociation. We really see, like, her run the whole gamut here. Yeah. And she does kind of toe that line to make you wonder, like, is she, again, like you said, for lack of a better word, is she crazy during these arguments with Frank, especially when she starts laughing mid-argument and then screams when he comes near her? Like, you're wondering, like, yeah, what is going on with her? Yeah. And that scene af- after, you know, with, with the breakfast scene with Frank, when she's so dissociated and, like, kind of stoic yeah. and then sobbing at the sink after, I think that could you know, if a different actress had played this role, that could have come off, like, maybe a little robotic in, like, a Stepford Wives kind of way. Right. But here, she she makes it so eerie. It's very unsettling. Totally. I just had this thought, too. We haven't seen her. This is funny. We haven't seen her in, like, a horror film. But thinking back on this, I'm like, I feel like she would probably be so creepy in, like, a true she, horror film. She would. Wow, yes, she that would. That would be super interesting. Yeah, I'm like, what is the closest to a horror film she's been in? Heavenly Creatures? Yeah, maybe. Probably. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So for our bonus category this season, which is Feisty, we gave her a zero out of two. And this is hard because similar to like Jude that we reviewed uh, a few weeks ago, a while ago at this point, I don't know. This is a movie where she just totally loses her spark throughout it. Mm -hmm. And so maybe there's some spunk there at the beginning and maybe that's true to the core of the character but it's not what we see throughout the film right right and for would you watch again we gave this a five out of five even though it's sad and i know it happens and it gives me all the feels but it does it in a way that i think was earned and appropriate for the movie so unlike some movies where i just ended the movie sad and i'm like i don't really want to watch that again this one it like you're so in it with them. You're aching for them that I'm like, okay, yeah, I would watch this again. Yeah, I agree. It's sad, but it's not all sad. There's a lot of other emotions within this. So I wasn't depressed the whole watch. I would definitely watch it again. I just think the acting from everyone is so strong. Agreed. Um, This was a movie I'd seen before we watched it for this purpose, but I really enjoyed kind of watching it in more detail for the podcast and I would definitely watch it again. Yeah. So to review for A Revolutionary Road, we gave the plot a 9 out of 10, Kate's character April an 8 out of 10, Kate's acting a 9.5 out of 10, a feisty score of 0 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 5 out of 5 for a total score of 31.5 out of 37 points, meaning that Revolutionary Road is ranked number 4 out of all 46 Kate Winslet movies. Yes. So it comes in right behind the holiday, right ahead of the life of David Gale, some other movies we've revealed recently. I love that there's two Kate and Leah movies in our top 10. Oh, man. What will they do? Do you think they'll ever act together again? Ah, I hope so. Me too. I'm like, what would they? ah, They're just so good together. Yeah, they're so good together. I love it. I hope we get that. Mm -hmm. And I'm still, you know, calling back to a kid in King Arthur's court. I'm still rooting for a Daniel Craig and Kate Winslet reuniting moment. I think they deserve it. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. So good. 
As always, thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or on TikTok at girlcrushpod. You can also visit our website at girlcrushpodcast.com or support us at buymeacoffee.com slash girlcrushpod. Tune in next time for our season finale. Ah. Very excited. So if you if you haven't sat down to figure out what the movie is yet, should we say it? I, I guess we can go ahead and say it. Okay, we'll say it. So tune in next time when we'll be talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So excited. So excited. What a good movie. Bye. Bye.